there was a seminar in Portland, Oregon that Marty had came down to with his brother. Uh, and I believe, Marty, my role that day was to order pizzas. And you saw me uh, go to take the pizza delivery guy to task because he was late. I think that was our first real introduction. Yeah, it, the, my brother saw that happen and, and we lost my brother wanting to be in the business. And he said, guys that treat staff like that, stay away from them. This had an indelible effect on Williams and my relationship. For the years to follow, he was always amicable and nice and everything. I just stayed away from him. I just really, really stayed away from him until a meeting that I was attending and, and, and I heard William was a, this new William, this, this you know, massively transformed person. And uh, it really attracted me. And that was my first sort of introduction to William Todd. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's a bit of a unique show because I have two guests. They were really co-authoring the same book, The Mentor and Me. William Todd is the author, but Marty Jeffrey is really the uh, editor and the refiner of his ideas. And so they worked on this book together. And it was nice to have really an interaction between the three of us. And when we think about success in life, we cover some very important items that we have covered in many other shows, but it seems to be that repetition matters. And that's one of the core elements that William talks about his transformation. Uh, Marty talks about William kind of being a bit of a jerk and he transformed into a much nicer skilled individual. And it's the process that he went through that he teaches in the book about really what we talk about here in CRG is self-awareness is so important. Like, who are you? But then you need to move into self-management and then self-mastery. And the only way to do that is through the swear word called discipline. You need to do it over and over and over again. And so Marty and, and William talk about that in the show. And so it's amazing. So my encouragement to you you know, before we get into the start of the show, is that what are you doing to look in a mirror to say, who are you? Uh, we have uh, recently launched a new e-course on my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me? And so in the show notes, it's the, there's a link there, and I go through in detail, it's a six-hour uh, online e-course on the personal style indicator in my book, Why Aren't You More Like Me? Understanding self, how do you show up? How do I build relationships with individuals who are different than me that be able to transform your life? And some of the things that we talk about in the show with William and Marty. Thank you as always for listening. And if you like what we're doing, please share it, pass it on, let other people know about it. Leave a positive review in whatever platform you are listening on. Thank you as always. Now, here's our show with William and Marty. Well, today's a little unique at SOS because we have two guests and one book. In my understanding, we'll get into the story about how they jointly work together to be able to refine this and come out with the book, The Mentor in Me. So our primary author, that's what they said, that's what I was supposed to say before we go on, is William Todd. And then with the assistance of Marty Jeffrey, he refined the ideas in the book. Gentlemen, welcome to SOS. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, gentlemen, as we go into SOS, we like to kind of have people's story, and I appreciated our candor offline before we got into the show that, Marty, you were saying that William wasn't somebody you really didn't want to hang around when you first got to know him in the 90s. He was insufferable. Well, actually, was that what, wasn't the yeah. word you used, but it was pretty pretty bad. <laughs> Haley's Comet would be a better. It would just, okay. Uh, and he flame-broiled people along the way. Oh, my. He would just come ripping through the room. And he was a force to be dealt with. And he was, uh, he was a different William Todd that I was to encounter years later. Um, and, and really, you know, the, point, the point of the process here, and so, you know, we really should let William defend himself a little bit, Marty, as we go through this. But let's just kind of back up a little bit. And so, William, you, you're, what I want to do is you, you grew up in, I think, Oregon, correct? Correct. So what was family life like for you? Like, what, what, just give us just sort of your family of origin, sort of the dynamics growing up as a kid and a teenager. You know what? I, I had a great upbringing. You know, I, I, I think as Marty had said prior to starting the recording, I was a, in school, I was one of those daydreamers. I think back then um, it was daydreaming, but today it would be ADHD. I would have been medicated because I couldn't sit still. I wanted to get outside. I wanted to go out and run in the forest. I wanted to go build something. Sitting in a classroom was not ideal for me. My uh, William, that's called a twelve-year-old boy. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, uh, I I had a great upbringing. My father was in corporate America. Uh, did go through some ups and downs. Had had a little bit of an issue with alcoholism in the family, and and one of those normal nineteen. 60s, 70s, 80s upbringing as a as a teenager is where it was it was it was difficult. Um, finances were difficult. I um, but I had a roof over my head. I always had a hot meal in front of me. But uh, the surroundings were a little bit um, uh, you know challenging. Yeah, that's a good word for it. It was challenging. But um, my biggest fear was was that that's what I was going to grow up to become. And sure enough, I did. I was. Mm. So after high school, did you head to university, or what did you do then? I took, I did, I, I went to, uh, I took a, 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 a semester of uh, general forestry. I wanted to be a, uh, a, a in the in the in the forest, so I wanted to had this idea of being on a horseback and uh, riding the trails as a general forester. And after uh, a semester of math and mapping, um, I was loaded my motorcycle and headed to Malibu, California. So that was my college experience. Well, that's what every 20-year-old wants to do, right? Right, and I did. <laughs> and what did you ride since I ride motorcycle? Uh, I was on a Kawasaki 550. Okay, just enough to kill you. Yeah, perfect. So what happened once you were in Malibu? So you left that, and you headed there. What was the plan? Well, or there wasn't there one. I, I moved in with family, and uh, after a couple of weeks of laying by the pool, I was told by my brother-in-law, um, what would you like to do when you grow up? I said, I'll, I'll worry about that when I grow up. And he goes, well, today's the day. And so um, I went and got a job at a gas station pumping gas at nights, uh, which turned into a job of washing windows in a restaurant in Malibu during the mornings, which turned into uh, learning how to become a pastry chef and, sh and sous chef uh, in the restaurant business. And that was um, about my next five years was uh, the restaurant industry. Pastry chef and forestry, those are pretty well the same. Yeah, right. I had, I had really clear goals. <laughs> so, 
So pastry chef, what happened after you uh, got rid of the cream custard? Construction. I construction. Spent, uh, six years uh, working my way up the ladder in construction to uh, a production manager, project manager, had 90 employees and a, and a huge territory in greater Los Angeles area. And, and that's when I got introduced really to entrepreneurship at the end of that journey and or direct sales. Okay. And then what was the direct sales that you went into? Uh, I went, well, I started in Amway, uh, you know, found that very difficult. I, I think my biggest check was uh, $7.70, and I had to pay out $3.50, so that was my success story there. But I really, at that particular point, fell in love with the personal growth, the book, mm. tapes, the seminars. I couldn't get enough of that. Okay. Now, when did you and Marty meet? You were talking about, like, the early 90s. What was the situation there? There was, a, there was a seminar in Portland, Oregon that Marty had came down to with his brother. Uh, and I believe, Marty, my role that day was to order pizzas. And you saw me uh, go to take the pizza delivery guy to task because he was late. I think that was our first real introduction. Yeah. It, the, my brother saw that happen, and, and we lost my brother wanting to be in the business because he, he he's in this was in the hospitality industry and he said guys that treat staff like that stay away from them and that was my first sort of introduction to William Todd mm. so it was it was memorable <laughs> yeah <laughs> laughing it was laughing yeah, it was it was laughing okay that so you meant I, I would have to say that was 94 95 Marty would you, would you agree with that yeah it's it's right in there my brother had had a had one of those situations where he'd been at a huge hotel for 33 years and uh, they walked in and gave him a $150,000 check and said, you're done here six months before his retirement. And so um, he was, he was really desperate to find something. And this, this had an indelible effect on Williams and my relationship for the years to follow. He was always amicable and nice and everything. I just stayed away from him. I just really, really stayed away from him until a meeting that I was attending, and, and, and I heard William was a, this new William, this, this, you know, massively transformed person, and uh, it really attracted me. So, you know, and one of the things where I'm just trying to anchor for our listeners, gentlemen, is that what you're saying here, and Marty, you're attesting to this, is that transformation is possible. So let's go back, and not only possible, it, it is totally achievable. So William, let's just go back. You, you have this kind of persona, you have this kind of edge to you. What happened? Where, where did, where did this change? What, what occurred that led you on this sort of transformational track to where Marty's saying, seeing this new guy? Well, I, I, you know, we, in the book, we talk a little bit about the ancest, ancestral, you know, hand-me-downs, you know, anger, um, alcoholism, whatever, you know, you want to add it up to. But I was, I was that person. I, I was just angry. I, you know what, I, in the past, I had just met you uh, just now, but I, I wouldn't have liked you prior to meeting you. That's just who I was. On the inside, I was, I was combusting. On the outside, I was smiling, and I was on top of the world making millions of dollars. Internally, I was just, you know, just completely self-combusting. And it was in my first marriage, I had realized that um, um, I, I probably was going to be divorced, but I was too afraid to get divorced based on what other people thought. 
And that was my first real experience that you'll read in the book where a mentor entered my life, and it was, it was Bob Proctor. And um, just prior to this conversation about divorce, we, our paths crossed on the East Coast. There was a seminar. There was about five or 7,000 people in the room. I was the speaker before Bob, and my topic was um, coaching. I don't even think mentoring was a viable word back in the early 90s and uh, mid-90s. And I was someone in the audience asked the question, how do, you, how do you find a coach? And I saw the silhouette of Bob in the back of the room, and I didn't really have a relationship with Bob. I knew he, who he was and what he did. I listened to a lot of his books and tapes. And, and I said, well, I said, you know, the prime example is right in the back of the room, Bob Proctor. I said, you, you know, you basically just got to ask. And I said, um, hey, Bob, if I ask you to coach me, would you coach me? And the, and the room went silent. And it was the longest pause in, in my life because I didn't know what he was thinking or what he was about ready to say. And, he, and he just from the back of the room, you heard this, I'll coach you on one condition, William. And I'm thinking, he just, he just, he just took the invitation. He just took the bait. <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't want to be coached. I don't want to know the truth about me. But now 7,500 people, whatever was in the room, was listening to this. And I said, okay, what's that? Thinking he was going to tell me what the bill was going to be or what he was going to charge me. He said, if I coach you, you've got to let everybody in this room listen to me do it on an open line every week. And then just like the whole room shifted back up to the stage, like, well, are you going to do it? And sure enough, I did. I agreed to it. it. It was the start of what was called the Proctor Todd call. And every week for about the next uh, year, year and a half, people got to listen to Bob talk to me about what my problem in this world was, which was me. And uh, that led to the biggest shift uh, to answer your question about the the divorce, I, you know, he said, I'm going to help you on one condition. You do exactly what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it or the deal's off. Mm. And that, that was, um, that was, uh, what was that? It would have been 2003. Cool. You know, when, you know, as a certified coach and mentor of others, it's just important to set the standards and expectations uh, recently, I did what I, after 30 years, did something which I hadn't done before. I just said, okay, I'll do you a favor, and then didn't set it up that you have to do what I say, and of course, it goes badly when you do it. So good on Bob to hold you accountable. Now, what group was it that you were speaking in front of? Uh, it was a company called Nikin uh, in Japan, or in Canada, I think it was Nihon Kenko Zoshin Kenkukai, but in the States, it was Nikin. They were... Uh, yeah independent wellness uh, reps and um, yeah, they were, they were m majority of them there for the personal growth at that particular seminar. It was a, it was a, a side, um, a side seminar business called team diamond that Marty was the CEO of. And uh, I was one of the guest speakers that day along with Bob. Okay, cool. So with that, what were the discoveries that for, for you? So, I mean, part of what we want to do, and we'll get into the book here in a minute, is what was transferring? What was happening in these calls that the listeners then could take from you in terms of your experience and what was moving you? What happened in these, this year and a half or so? Well, uh, the big, big, big equalizer to everything uh, changing me was repetition. So the first thing that Bob recognized with me was I refused to take responsibility for my results in life, and I blamed everyone and everything for uh, all the failures in my life. So the, the first exercise that he did was we're going to go through 
uh, 21 days, or in this particular case, it took 30 days of repetition to change the paradigm. And so he would give me a manifesto. One, the first one particularly was on responsibility, and I was to read it as well as all the listeners um, 10 times a day for 30 consecutive days. And about the fourth or fifth day, um, I started lying. Uh, telling them that I was reading it when I write or I wasn't because it was like the most ridiculous thing I ever heard of. Why would I read something over and over and over and over again after four or five days? I pretty much got the message, but I kept playing along with it. And then Bob asked me one day on the call in front of everybody, how's your readings going, William? And I said, oh, yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, no, everything's great. He knew right then and there that I was lying. And he called me out on it in front of everybody. And uh, why are you lying about it? And I was like, my response was, how did you know I was lying? Because because I listened to the words come out of your mouth. As soon as your vibrations of your voice hit the ether, I knew that you were not reading. Because you wouldn't be saying the things that you're saying if you were reading the assignment. So it actually took me six months to complete 3,000 readings of one manifesto before I learned the power of repetition. So from there, from responsibility, the next lesson was attitude. From attitude, it went to decision-making. Uh, from there, it went to self-discipline, and I probably have 350 manifestos since that time. Mm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I really want the listeners to hear what you said around that, William, is that just because I do it for a couple of days doesn't mean it's not working. And oddly enough, I, I have to share this story. I just had this coaching relationship kind of disintegrate. And the number, what happened was I gave this person a repetition process to do. On day five, he quit. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, it's not working. It's not doing anything. It's just wasting my time. And that's when I, that's when I knew that if, unless he was willing to do one simple activity, by the way, that would take three minutes a day, that was it, yep. uh, wouldn't work. So you're saying to everybody else, guess what? Just because you, how did you kind of, I want to frame this question the right way. A lot of times people start these processes, you know, if I'm working out or if I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with this, you know, 21 days and actually Dr. Carolyn Leaf has now proven it 63 days to make it unconsciously conscious. Mm -hmm. uh, as a process, three cycles of 21, yep. is uh, what would you say to the listeners about, I don't see any change yet, I'm doing this repetition of that, what would you say to the listeners about that, where they, they don't, sort of the change hasn't visual yet, but I've done it for 10 days and done it 10 times, I've said it 100 times already, and I still don't, <laughs> see, the, I don't, say, I don't see the change happening, what do you say yeah. to the listeners there? Well, you just are ignorant about the law of gender. And the best way to explain the law of gender is a, is a tomato seed. You take and you plant a tomato seed under the dirt, you water it for two or three days, and you say to yourself, there's no tomato. <laughs> and then you start digging under the dirt and realize, oh, there is something happening below the surface. But you probably just killed that process by doing that. And that's why, you know, I always, expectant mothers, when I see an expectant mother, I say, wouldn't it be great to have this child in like three months instead of nine? Oh, absolutely, but that's not possible. Of course it's not possible. It's a law. It's a law of gender. Everything has a period of time. It has a cycle. And so with what you just described, you know, when it comes to changing a habit or changing a paradigm, it does take a minimum of 21 days, and most likely 63 is what you said, to make that change or make that impact. And that, 
Marty's example earlier was whenever that period of time went by, like, who is this guy? Well, this is a guy that spent about four or five years of endless manifestos and to this day, you know, still changing. And, and I'm not the same guy I was five years ago. I'm not the same mm. guy five days ago because of that constant work of changing old paradigms and old habits. And so trust the process. Know that everything is, is, has a cycle and, and um, you know, you may not feel it or see it in five days, but I bet you somebody else would. But I do guarantee you this, in 30, 60, 90 days, yeah, everybody will see it. Mm. I think it's just so, so important because so many people are quitters, seems like, or don't just don't stay the course with it. And by the way, I know Bob. I've met Bob personally. He's an amazing guy. Do you happen, I have to ask on air, do you happen to know Peggy McCall? Yes. Yeah, Peggy and I are friends from way back. In fact, she was just recently on Secrets of Success, maybe two months ago. So uh, we have a common thread and just she gives her credit to who she is to Bob as well. And who, who she became and, and all the different success there. So, so scroll ahead. Where did this interaction where the two of you, Marty, you said that you met William, he's this new guy. Where was that? Oh, uh, first of all, you know, the, the show is called Secrets of Success, and the big secret is that our entire society tells us that you should do something and get a result, and if you don't get a result right away, go do something else. But, mm. so it's not that they're quitters. It's, it's just that they uh, are looking for this instant gratification. Of and course. To, to have permanent change, you have to take an action and repeat it until it becomes a habit. Repeated habit becomes your character and your character defines your destiny. So the guy that I met, well, the Haley's Comet that was ripping through these meetings, I mean, he was entertaining and funny and a stand-up guy, but of the same opinion as the last person that left the room. He was shifting all over the place. I didn't, there was no character on, uh, with, with William Wright at that point. He was doing what he had to do to, to win favor. The William that I heard on a conference call, now, you know, this is years later, uh, and I'm on a conference call as a potential consultant, and they're kind of interviewing me. William is one of the directors of this uh, board that's interviewing me, and they're going around and they're asking me different things. And every time it gets to him, uh, I listen, and I'm thinking, what happened to Todd? Like, what, what, who is this guy? And and finally, I just said, look, at the risk of losing this job, William, what the heck happened to you? And he said, you know, Proctor finally broke through my head with, with repetition. And I said, we got to talk about that. And so we did. And I realized that a lot of the missing dynamic in what I had been doing over the years was completely missing the idea of space repetition. A thought's not enough. Saying it over and over is not enough. I have to do it until it's habitual and then it has to become part of my character. So the change in William that I, you know, really detected there that, you know, really gobsmacked me was how permanent it was. It didn't ebb and flow. It didn't, it didn't room or what was going on. If the situation was positive or negative, that same strong character showed up and, you know, says, this is a guy I like because this is a guy you can trust. He is accountable as a friend and as a colleague and a, 
you know, as a, as a mentor to pay it forward. So uh, it was on that telephone that day I heard character come through the call. Mm. Well, thank you for that, uh, Marty. And affirmation, William, that you that you did the transition so that listeners, it is possible, but you have to put the work in. You have to do the commitment to it. And I appreciated your clarity, Marty, where we talked about where, you know, instant gratification. If I decide today that I'm going to do some Olympic event, doing one day training isn't going to get me there. Nope. So I need to do a little bit more than that. So let's move to the book, gentlemen, The Mentor in Me what to do and what not to do. So William, come up with this idea of, and we talked about this off air and you had all these ideas and concepts and, and Marty, you had a publishing company for a while. And so you, you were just sort of a natural about knowing about books and how they would come together and William, not so much, but you knew the content and you wanted to get it out there and you have all these ideas sort of in a shoebox. What, let's just go through what do we have now here in this book that the listeners can take and implement right after this show. Well, uh, before we get there, I just want to talk about, because you mentioned Peggy's name, I just want to throw, a, throw a, you know, a, a, a bouquet out there real quick because the book came from a decision. And the decision happened at a Proctor event called The Matrix in Toronto that Peggy was in attendance at. And she'll probably remember this story, but um, uh, I think it's worth noting that, that without the decision, nothing would have happened. And, and so Bob, at the beginning of this event, said, some of you in this room are going to make a big decision here in the next seven days. And it's going to be a decision that's going to change the course of your life, blah, 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 blah. And right then, the first night, within the first three hours, I made the decision. I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to call it The Mentor and Me. A-N-D, the mentor and me. And that decision was made. I uh, didn't know how, just knew that the why, why it was going to happen. Because I wanted to tell the story of how these spaced repetitions that Marty referred to changed the course of my life. And as Bob and I, Bob, Bob told me after the seminar, he goes, let's you and I go over to my house and I want to show you my new studio in my backyard and we're driving. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know I already made my decision. I don't need the next seven days. And he kind of looked over at me with his dry sense of humor. He goes, have you now? He goes, and what's that decision? I said, I'm going to write a book. He goes, are you now? And I said, I am. He goes, and what's the title of this book? And I said, it's going to be called The Mentor and Me. And he goes, and I assume I'm the mentor. I said, you are. And that was it. Silence. Nothing else was talked about. The next morning at 9 a.m. when the seminar started, Bob gets up there and he says, hey, some of you in this room, believe it or not, have already made a decision. And there's someone in this room that's already decided to write a book. And I thought, dang, somebody else in here is writing a book as well? <laughs> Unbelievable. And I'm looking around the room. There's a few hundred people in there. And, I'm, and he goes, and last night, my graphic designer got in at 10 o'clock at night. And she decided, uh, I decided to ring her and tell her that somebody's writing a book. And um, I, I had her stay up all night and make three graphics of the book. And you all are going to vote on which cover this person's going to pick. Because this person's going to work with Peggy. Peggy's in the back of the room and some of you will meet her later, blah, 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 blah. Some of you that choose to write a book. And at this point, I'm starting to get upset thinking, why is he promoting somebody else in here that's writing a book whenever mine's not finished yet? <laughs> And all of a sudden, on the big screen, flashes these three great big pictures called The Mentor and Me. And the first thing that runs to my mind was, he forgot the title. 
it's supposed to be the mentor and me. And everybody's looking at these three beautiful book covers by this lovely graphic artist called the mentor in me. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm panicked because I went up to my room that night and I got the URL secured for the mentor and me. I didn't secure the mentor in me. Let alone, what, what does it even mean? Bob's not going to ask your permission. Right. And the next thing I knew, I felt, and I don't, I, I'm watching the screen. He goes, everybody think about it, and then we're going to take a vote. And right then and there, this hand touched my shoulder, and it was Bob, and I was shaking. I was freaking out, not knowing what, if I should leave the room, run up to my room, get online, and secure the website. And he set a piece of paper down in front of me, and it was folded in half, and then he walked away, and I'm thinking, what does this say? And I opened it up, and it was the, the tight, it basically said what he always says to me, which is calm down. And um, <laughs> it said, quote, the purpose of the mentor is to lead me to the mentor in me. He said, you got the title wrong. And he said, calm down, I already got the URL. How <laughs> about that? Man, he, he, did, he didn't mess around. That's he pretty did. good. So, so just, just wanted to reiterate that there really is nothing until there's a decision. And it was probably one of the first times in my life I was able to make a snap decision and, and not know how it was going to happen. And that, that's a big lesson. But anyway, back to your question. Um, uh, the book, you know, the book really is, is, is the credit goes to Bob and another James, gentleman by the name of Leland Val Vandewall. And I'll let Marty talk about the seven steps of awareness because that really is the basis for the whole book. Now, not everybody listening, you know, Bob's of sort of my generation, maybe yours, and not everybody who is younger necessarily knows who Bob is, but Bob really, you know, fits into the Zig Ziglar category and some of the other yep. greats that were out there. Norman Vincent Peale, of course, a, a, a couple generations before, or Jim Rohn or others like that. Earl Nightingale, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Bob's focus has always really been about people realizing their dreams and what's possible and possibility thinking. And of course, he was part of the movie The Secret as well. So that being said, you were being you were being taught and coached by one of the best in the industry, uh, in our profession as part of that. So Marty, when you got all these papers and stuff like that, and you were distilling through it, what did you when you were sort of organizing um, William's thoughts and his insights and all the things his experiences? What ended up being these seven levels that we can share with the audience today? Well. Um just just a little bit of a, a pre-story to the story is that um, William has a, has a mentor who will take him to the precipice and push him. Like it, the, the book, everything about the book, I got a frantic call from William Todd one day saying, I've just been on the radio in Los Angeles. And I said, well, congratulations. Why? He said, I'm promoting my new book, The Mentor in Me. And I said, I didn't know you had a book. He said, I don't have a book. Proctor pushed me into the, I'm talking about doing this book and you're the only guy I know that can write. And he started talking to me about how within this book, there were a number of uh, principles. There were seven levels of consciousness. And I said, is that Maslow or where did that come from? And, and William said, I don't know. I'll get back to you. And when he got back to me, he said, no, Proctor had a mentor in Vancouver years ago, a guy by the name of Van Vanderwald, 
And he said that Van Uwald had written these seven uh, concepts on a napkin <laughs> in a restaurant, mm. and that Bob had rolled these out over the years. So, now, my wife is standing behind me when this conversation is going on, and I say the name Leland Van Vanderwald a couple of times, and, and she taps me on the shoulder, and she said, are you, are you guys talking about Van Vanderwald? And I said, yeah. And she said, why? And I said, well, William is writing this book. And she said, well, my mother was dating Van Vanderwald when he died. <laughs> what? And you didn't know that? <laughs> no, never, not, no. It, that, that's what I'm trying, there's some sort of a mischief in all of this. And it, it's, just, right. it's just so weird how it's all, all kind of played through. And, and, uh, and, you know, again, without that concept of repetition, without that dogged repetition that Proctor taught, William Todd, these concepts are intellectually enticing, they're interesting, they're right, you know, they're very nice. But if you don't get into repetition around them, uh, they're of absolutely no value. So the seven, the seven levels are animal, which is where we all enter, you know, this is that react or die part of us, down the amygdala, the fight, flight, fight part of our brain. Next, we me, go to you mean, math. You mean the old William? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, right on. Great observation. That, that would be poster child William right there. Okay. William, I should have called you animal back in those days. But anyway, <laughs> so, and the chapter two is on mass, which is when you start wondering how society is thinking about you, you're more concerned with what somebody's thinking about you than what you're actually doing. Then comes this aspiration, which is this inside job that starts to take place. The, the, the hope that, you know, you are more than that. You start to express yourself through the individual level. And then, uh, then comes the, the work. And chapter five is about discipline. Proctor says discipline is the ability to give yourself an order and follow it. He told me in his office that was the thing that had changed his life. Then chapter six, we talk about experience. This is when you're all in. You are on the tightrope. Maybe you have a podcast. You're out there. You're doing it. And, and then comes mastery, which, which is this. Well, I remember I said to William one time, ask Proctor what mastery is all about. And, and so William phoned Bob and said, uh, um, you know, have, are you a master? And Bob said, I'll phone you back. And what did he say to you, William? Well, yeah, a follow-up to that, I said, you know, how many people are at that level? And, and that's mm-hmm. when he phoned you back. And when he phoned back, he goes, you know, William, he says, nobody's there. He says, we only strive. We never arrive. And he said, I would have to tell you that there's a handful of people that I know at that level, and they would all admit they haven't arrived, and if they have said they arrived, then we've got an ego problem. But he said, you continuously strive. Now, he says, life's very good. He says, the air is a bit thin up there. But he says, life's very good. Um, results are very good. But he says, you constantly are striving for mastery. So it's, it's, that, it's that zone between experience and mastery that, that, that results don't lie. And, and, and that's where I, you know, that was the biggest message to me was I, I have this little bit of an issue where the seven levels to me are a roller coaster. I find myself, you know, operating an experience and up there a lot, but I also find myself every, every now and then falling down the ladder. And so again, more reason that repetition is still needed.
because uh, for Bob, I don't think I've ever seen Bob go animalistic ever, uh, but he's also been doing repetition for 55, 60 years. So big message there. Well, it's interesting well, because as a company we teach, self-awareness leads to self-management, which leads to self-mastery. That's nice. And so when you think about it, if I don't even know that I don't know what you're talking about, this aspiration or individual, if I'm not even conscious that this is possible, then the likelihood I'm going to do it is not there. Then I start moving in this self-management, which is this discipline and experience, and then mastery really comes from this repetitive side. So, Marty, what were you going to say in response to that? That when Bob Proctor read this book, uh, he said, uh, and it's on the back of the book. He said, this is not a book you can pick up and read. It's a book you'll form a relationship with and you'll want to study in every day for the rest of your life. And, and, and that's not a compliment to William or I or the book. It, it's a, a further testament to the fact that nobody can form this type of growth without practice. And, and practice creates habit. Habit creates character. This is a reshaping of a human being's whole method for how they're operating their life. That William Todd back in that day that was yelling at the pizza delivery man, that guy was frightened and coming from what he didn't want. The William Todd I met on the phone that day was a guy who was obviously not dealing from fear. He was starting to move toward what he wanted to manifest in his life. And it was the difference was stunning like night and day. So when people tell you that they, you know, nobody can change, what, what they're really saying is that um, I, I, will not, I will not change my character. I am going to, it's like having a big rock and you're going to the bottom of a lake and people are saying, let go of the rock. No, it's my rock. You know, my grandfather had this rock. My family had a rock like this. I'm going to, no, let go of the rock. And when you let go of all those old ideas, you come up and, you, and then you start to float. But the reality of it is when you're a Bob Proctor or a William Todd or these people that are in the field mentoring people, you frequently get a kick in the teeth or the rear end. I've heard people say unconscionable things to Bob Proctor, and he just smiles at them. And I can, you can almost hear what he's thinking, thinking, I'll pray for you. you know? It's like he just doesn't, it, he doesn't take anything personal because we're all just trying to evolve to our higher self. That's one of my favorite quotes about Bob Marty is, is um, you know, most people spend so much time worrying about what other people think, and the answer is they don't think. <laughs> the only thing they're really thinking about is their own miserable results, not you. Well, it's interesting. We were, we were um, I just had another guest on, and he's doing a lot around, he's called The Human Project, and just you know, loneliness and depression has never been higher in our society because we don't have community. And then we say such vile things to each other online. So there's a lot of undeveloped sort of animal self out there where, you know, I'm just going to be uh, vile to you, vulgar to you over some silly thing online. And I haven't developed myself. So we see that. But the net result is people are not happy. They're, they're not enjoying their lives, they're lonely, they're depressed, whatever the case is. But what you're saying, and this is what I want the audience to say, or to, to really hear, is that it is possible, but I have to do the work. I can't mm. just show up and have this pixie dust kind of follow on top of me and get there. So I, I need to do the work. So what would you say to me where I feel kind of alone, I don't feel supported by my community, 
or the people around me and I just I don't know if I feel equipped to do this transformation. I, I think I want to go there, and I'm going to make that decision like you said, William, but what would be some strategies, gentlemen, that you would share with the audience about you know, me to kind of get onto this route and this journey to do your seven steps? Well, I, I always tell people when they buy the book, the, 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 the best thing that you can do is just read the chapter heads. You know, it's just a paragraph at the, at the, at the start of each chapter and make a determination in your own honesty of what level you're at. And now we know by statistics that 85% are at levels one and two. Um, but, but find out, you know, put a benchmark and then, and then ask yourself the question, why aren't you at a higher level of awareness? I mean, a great bumper sticker I saw once said ignorance is a good thing to lose. But you know, what's stopping you? And most likely you just don't have the tools or the mentorship or the relationship with somebody to teach you how to move on to the next level. Maybe fear is part of it. There, there could be a lot of things, programming, whatever it is, but results don't lie. And, 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 and if you're in the, in the mode of blaming others for your circumstances and your current results in your life, your answer lies in a mirror. Find the biggest mirror in your home that you can find and stand in front of it, and there is the problem and there is the answer. Uh, but I only know of two ways to change, and that's either through an emotional impact or through spaced repetition. And unfortunately, emotional impacts aren't a lot of fun. They could be a diagnosis. They could be a disease. They could be an accident. They could be a death. Uh, you don't want those things. You need to use spaced repetition. And whenever you say, yeah, but spaced repetition is difficult, yeah, I'd love to walk into a gym and, 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 and pay for a membership and say, do I have to show up to get a six-pack belly? You know, yeah, you need to show up. And, yeah, you need to do some serious repetitions and sit-ups and, and curls and pull-ups and sit-ups and, and every day and for a lot of days in a row. And one mm -hmm. of the Bob, you know, instilled in me, I'll leave this message, this last message was, spaced repetition isn't whenever it's comfortable. It's every single day. And the first day you miss a repetition, the next day is day number one. You don't get to do twice as many on the next day because you missed the previous day. You start all over. That's a hard truth to swallow. <laughs> that is so true. Thanks, William, for that. As far as you know, the, the, the swear word in your chapters of seven chapters is D for discipline. Yeah, and for a lot of us, you know, and a lot of individuals, they don't want to do it. I, I do recall coaching somebody because we do health coaching, and they said, "Well, you know, I'm just not very disciplined." Well, that's your. That's why you're 100 pounds overweight and <laughs> feel like feel like crap and all this stuff. I said, "Hello," and so well, that's why I'm here. I said, "Okay, just because you're going to go for that Twinkie or that donut or whatever the uh -huh. case is." It, the reality is it does require some kind of uh, discipline. Now, we only have a few minutes left. And so what I want to do is really, gentlemen, both of you, first of all, we, before we get into the final segment, how can people find out about you guys and your book? Uh, best place to start is just the website, which is thementorinme.com. Mean Bob didn't sell it on you? <laughs> he charged me for the transfer of the URL, so I'm still making payments. Okay, so the mentorinme.com. Yeah. Uh, anything else there, Marty? Amazon.com has the book. But, uh, you know, you, you talk about uh, uh, 
Bob getting that website and that, I mean, the, the fear right there is, you know, like somebody's got your domain and, oh, my goodness. Bob Proctor has made I don't even know how many millions of dollars, and he gives them away about as fast as he can get them. But the, the first go I had with Bob, this is about 1992, I opened my door, and there's a huge box. I'm talking probably 50 books, $600, $700 at wholesale of books, Thomas Troward and, and Napoleon Hill. And so I, I can't figure out where these books came from. And then I don't know why I, I phoned Bob Proctor and I said, I just had all these books show up. You didn't send them, did you, Bob? He said, well, yes, I did, Marty. And I said, but Bob, you, you, you understand you can't make any money off of me, right? And he said, Marty, I don't get paid by you. I get paid by the universe. <laughs> and I was, what? Sorry, you're not in charge of my account. That's so. You know, I watched him on Oprah. I watched him on Ellen DeGeneres. I'm thinking, yeah, that universe is not a bad way to to get a check, Bobby. Good for you. So you know, we get so myopic. We think, oh, I can't do these things. It's like everything else. You know, you start small. You do the reps, and then you and as you build a subconscious, you know, immune system, if you will. We you know we we have the a gift that no other no other animal on earth has. We can actually project out before something happens. You know, if this were not true, we'd have Ben and Jerry's onion and liver ice cream. You don't have to make it to know how bad that would taste, right? We can, mm. we can project. So you start doing these Could be healthy, though. <laughs> Could Probably be healthy, though. The, we're sellers in history. But the, the, you, you can project out. Now, here, here's the thing. I don't believe William Todd would have ever gotten where he is without mentoring. I just don't because he made himself accountable and then he was called up to it time after time after time. And when he wanted to stop, his mentor carried him for a bit. And then when he got strong, his mentor helped him, you know, recognize that he was making progress. And, uh, you know, what, what happens is they go from mentors to becoming like, friends or family. I mean, like the relationship between these two men is just amazing. What if we weren't isolated? What if we weren't filling our head with all of the stuff that's going on around us? What if, what if we just got one person that we wanted what they had, that we were willing to make ourselves accountable to that one person, and we started into the notion mm -hmm. of these repetitions with the idea that I don't even know who I am anymore. I, I've got this little built-up character I call me, but it's not me. I know I've got something better than that. What if I just project out that I'm going to become that, and then I just blindly do these repetitions, and then you just wait for, you know, people say for the miracle to happen. It's not a miracle. It's just that it's a quantum leap. You don't go from William Todd, a little more William Todd. To, it was like William Todd and then this guy, and it was like, one day the repetitions just accumulated to the point where his character shifted and now we've got this great guy in the world. Why not you? That's yeah. a question. See that's when I when I when I confront people with their greatness, they'll say, Oh, you know, Marty, I mean you you know, you've got a you can talk and you're musical and you know Yeah, it's easy on. for you. It's easy for you. Yeah. It's hard for me. It's it's so difficult for me because I, I I have to have somebody I have a mentor his name is Larry I tell him, I meet with him every week and I, I I've told him a hundred times 
I, I hate talking to you. I hate it. And he'll say, well, why do you keep talking to me? I'll say, because I, if I don't talk to you, I start listening to me. And that's deadly. <laughs> well, well, and that's going down quickly. And so, mm-hmm. now, gentlemen, we only have a minute left. So, William, and thank you, Marty. Um, William, you have the last word, and then I'll just wrap up here for the audience. Yeah, look, it's, it's really simple. Like I, I mentioned the mirror before, your results are what they are. They don't have to be that way for the rest of your life. They, wh- however you got to where you are today is just a story. It's called the past. If you want to draw a line in the sand, a line mm-hmm. of nation, and say, hey, from this point forward, I'm going to be held accountable to a higher level of awareness. That's going to require a book, a mentor, or a coach, whatever the case may be. Do exactly what they tell you to do when they tell you to do it. They're not doing it because they're mean-spirited. They're doing it because they know what you can become. Make that decision, and, and that's it. And, and, and just like I said, draw that line in the sand. Don't cross it from this point forward. And, and then guess what? You're going to have some hiccups. And we'll be there to pick you up. You're going to fall back down the levels a little bit. That's okay. We're going to be there to drag you back up. But if you stay committed, then I can guarantee you one thing. Your character is going to change. It's law. Mm. Well, thank you, William. Thank you, Marty, for being on the show. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, SOS listeners, hey, there's a lot of content in here. You're going to have to go back and listen to it again because of the wisdom and depth that William and Marty brought to it. You know, get out of your animal. Stop worrying about what other people think. Start paying attention about who you are and expressing yourself and getting to know who you are. And then just do it and do it over and over and over again. And then you will have mastery. But you know what? It takes effort. It takes work and you're worthy and you're worth it. As we always end up, we just thank you for giving your most valuable commodity, your time to this show. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on. Let other people know. Leave a positive comment or remark or rating in whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.